Um, let's jump into the scripture and the message. Uh, today's sermon is going to be formatted just a little bit differently, um, but we're starting a new series today called In God's Family. Um, and so uh, uh, several years ago, I was visiting a family and I'd gone into their home for the first time to meet them. And when I walked in, um, they showed me this basket that was sitting on the counter in their kitchen. And the mom said, um, in our family, cell phones go in the basket and don't come out again until 8 p.m. <laughs> uh, when, when our teenagers get home from school, when mom gets home from work, when dad gets home from work, everybody's devices go on silent and go in the basket. And we don't get them out until we've had supper, we've had some face-to-face family time, maybe we've played a board game or worked on homework or something like that. No screens, no devices until after eight o'clock. And I thought, man, that is a brilliant practice, right? Um, Every family has its traditions and its practices and its values and its things that they, its quirks, right? Uh, Even even, uh, families that aren't intentional about those things still have holiday traditions and values and different things like that. Think for a minute to your family, whether it's your family of origin from, that you grew up in, whether it's your family right now, or whether uh, your kids have grown and left and you're remembering back to how you raised them. Uh, no doubt all of us have had uh, different things in mind that we wanna teach our kids and pass on to our kids. Every family is like that and God's family is no exception. When you become a Christian and give your life to Christ, you are, to use the Bible's terminology, born again, born again into the family of God. Now you belong to the household of God. You have a room in his house with your name on it. You have a place at his table. You're part of his family. And God's family has practices and rhythms and traditions and values. And what I want to do is talk a little bit about some of those practices over the next few weeks as we start this series in God's family. And I want to start with the practice of communion. Uh, I will be honest, and I've fallen into this mistake lots of times, but a lot of times churches assume if I say it 10,000 times, everybody understands what it means, right? If I teach the kids to memorize the answers, then they understand it and accept it. And that's not necessarily true. I can say it over and over and over and over and over again, but if we never stop and actually dig into what it means we don't understand it we could do communion every Sunday but if we never stop to talk about why it doesn't mean anything and in a lot of uh, for a lot of people communion is just kind of a meaningless ritual it's just something we do because we're Christians and we check it off our Christian box uh, list and and that's we move on what I want us to do today is stop for a minute and think about why why do we celebrate communion Depending on your tradition, you may have heard communion called the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper or simply referred to as the table. Or maybe you didn't grow up in church and you're like, what in the heck is communion? I don't know. Uh, So we're going to talk about that this morning. uh, Communion comes from the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. The night that he was betrayed, he had a meal with them and he took some bread and he broke that bread and he passed it around and he said, this bread is my body which is broken for you. And then he took some wine and he poured it in a cup and he passed it around and he said, this wine is my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for you. And he had this meal with them and then he says this in Luke twenty-two nineteen, he had taken the bread, he'd given it thanks, he gave it to him and he said, 
do this in remembrance of me. So do this. Break this bread, share this wine in remembrance of me. Communion is a remembering. The question is, what are we remembering? What does communion remind us of? That's what we're going to talk about today. And I have five things that communion reminds us of. We're going to do this sermon a little bit differently. I don't have four points that start with J and have six application steps for you to take home and work on this week. Um, we're not, that's not what this message is about. This message is really about remembering Christ and remembering the heart of our faith. And as we walk through the passages and the reflections, um, each point has a scripture, a reflection, and a response. And we're, we're go- the application is to respond by giving our worship to Christ. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do that together this morning. And because families, like God's family, are multi-generational, I'm going, I've asked one of our teenagers to come and share with us the first point. So if we could welcome Ella Athnos up. Uh, she will be sharing the first thing communion reminds us of. Welcome, Ella. Thank you. Yep, right there. John chapter 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things are made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. First John chapter 1, 1 through 4. Which... That was which, from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which is with the Father and appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may have also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Anybody who says kids can't read. That was like fast, man. That was great. When God's family, we remember. And the first thing communion reminds us of is the personal presence of God. It reminds us that the creator is intimately involved with his creation. Communion reminds us that we don't serve a distant God. He didn't just create the universe and then step away and leave us to uh, figure it out for ourselves, right? He, He is a personal God, a God who is really present among us. In fact, the whole earth is filled with his glory. Communion proclaims that Jesus was and is real. His disciples saw them with their own eyes, touched him with their own hands, And God is just as real and present with us today right here this morning as he was 2,000 years ago when he walked the streets of Galilee. God is present and real and when we surrender our lives to him, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, his Holy Spirit fills us with his presence, with his power, and with his love. Communion reminds us of the personal presence of God. Let's respond in worship.
trusted assurance Jesus is mine oh what a foretaste of glory divine heir of salvation purchase of
In God's family, we remember and communion reminds us that the infinite God became flesh. The Lord's Supper recalls the incarnation. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Communion reminds us that we only find completion and fulfillment when we are reconciled to God. Until we live in a relationship with our creator, we only end up living for ourselves, looking for meaning from within but never quite finding it, pursuing happiness but never quite catching it for very long. The bread and the wine of communion reveal the body and blood of the one person, Jesus Christ, in whom the divine and the human were united, through whom our relationship with God is restored. God himself took on human form and became one of us. The creator king of the universe humbled himself to the point of death on a cross for us. The bread and the cup are the image of the union of the human and the divine, the infinite God who became flesh for our sake and our salvation. So we're going to respond by praying a corporate prayer together. We don't do this very often, maybe once a year here at Lakeview, um, but the words to this prayer will be on the screen and I would invite you to pray this with me. Heavenly Father, we used to be alienated from you. We were not your children. We were your enemies because of our sin. But you sent your son to save your enemies from death. Lord Jesus, you stepped down from the splendor of heaven and took on flesh as a human being. You showed us what true humanity is like and then you reconciled us with God the Father through the death of your physical body. You took our sins, our selfishness, our pride, our lusts, our addictions, our abuse, our brokenness, our stains, and our blemishes on yourself. And you gave us your perfect righteousness in exchange. Lord, have mercy on us. We are sinners and we are in desperate need of you. Oh, that we would follow you all the days of our lives. Forgive us when we stray. Grant us the grace, humility, and power through your Holy Spirit that you had when you walked this earth in the flesh. Establish our faith, help our unbelief. Give us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. In the name of the God who became a man to save us, the name that is above every other name, the only name given under heaven by which anyone is saved, 
In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Number three, communion reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ. The Lord's Supper recalls our redemption. Romans chapter five, verses one through 11. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight, By the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When we celebrate communion, we remember Jesus' sacrifice. And we understand that his life of sacrifice is to become our life of self-sacrifice. The fulfilled and meaningful life is not the life of acquisition, power, fame, sexual freedom, consumerism, or materialism. The fulfilled and meaningful life is the life that daily takes up its cross and follows Christ. It is a life that is lived out of the crucifixion. It is a life that willingly, voluntarily chooses to give itself for others, to endure suffering for the sake of others. Communion reveals the meaning of life is the act of giving up self to do the will of God because that's what Christ did for us. One man's sacrifice brought salvation for all who believe. We're going to respond to this by taking a a couple of minutes of quiet reflection and listening for the Holy Spirit. Join me in prayer. Lord, thank you that you still speak to us today and you're present here in our midst through your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for your sacrifice. And we acknowledge that it is our sin that separated us from you and required your sacrifice. And so, Lord Jesus, uh, would you, through your Holy Spirit, bring to our hearts and our minds a remembrance of the sin you have saved us from as we reflect on where we have been. May our hearts be stirred with where we are now in Christ. Let's walk down memory lane with the Lord
and let him remind us of what his sacrifice has done in our lives. Lord, as we remember the sacrifice that you made, we remember that your sacrifice was for our own personal sin. And we confess that to you. And now would you bring to our hearts a name or a face of someone that we can show the love of Christ to this week through a simple act of kindness. whoever God's brought to your mind, I just want you to hold their face in, the, in your mind's eye and look in their face. Lord, whoever those people are, we ask that you would bless them and bless them wildly and that you would give us an opportunity this week to love them in Christ's name. Amen. In God's family, we remember. Communion reminds us of the personal presence of God. It reminds us that the infinite God became flesh. That reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ. And number four, communion reminds us of the victory of Christ over evil. The Lord's Supper recalls the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 through 26. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, We are to be pitied more than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there's an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. An early Christian prayer written in the first century of the church, says this about Jesus. He was betrayed to voluntary suffering that he might destroy death and break the bonds of the devil and tread hell and shine upon the righteous and manifest the resurrection. Communion reminds us of Christ's death, yes, but communion is also a celebration because we remember that he's not still dead. Jesus defeated death. He triumphed over the powers of darkness and evil, making a public spectacle of them on the cross. And the resurrection gives us the hope that we need in a hopeless world. No matter how bad things seem to be in the world around us, there is victory in Jesus. No matter how hard things in our life appear, there is victory in Jesus. Let's respond with singing.
Thanks for uh, walking through these meditations uh, with us this morning. We have one final uh, remembrance. Communion reminds us of the eternal kingdom. The Lord's Supper recalls the coming restoration of all things. 
Revelation chapter 19, verses six through nine says, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. A couple of chapters later in chapter 21, verses one through five, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Then he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. John sees this vision of heaven and he hears this shout like the roar of many waters, hallelujah. I wonder if we could just recreate that moment this morning. We have uh, enough people here. Uh, if we could just shout hallelujah, go for it. Hallelujah. Okay, that was, that was like a small stream. Let's make it like Niagara Falls, right? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Oh, that was good. Right? That's a tiny little glimpse of heaven. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Somebody was asleep. By the way, parents, I, I love having kids in here. We're a family. I know kids get squirmy and fussy and whatever. Doesn't bother me a bit. I've got five kids at home. There's always some noise going on. I'm not distracted by that. And this is part of being a family. So don't feel bad if, you're, if we wake your kid up, sorry. <laughs> but don't, don't feel bad. Your kids are always welcome in our service. Always, always. All right, back to heaven. <laughs> Communion reminds us that Jesus did not only come to save us. He came to save and rescue the entire creation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And communion reveals God's plan for all of the universe. Paul said in Romans 8 that creation itself will be set free from its bondage of decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So when we celebrate communion, we are proclaiming to the world, to the created order, its own ultimate destiny, the union of heaven and earth. Communion looks forward to another meal, not a funeral dinner, but a wedding supper. When Jesus, the Lamb of God, comes again to establish his eternal kingdom and literally bring heaven to earth. That passage we read in Revelation 19 said, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. 
all of you who heard me read those words have been invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. My question is, have you RSVP'd? And I don't mean, have you gone to church since you were a kid? Did you go through confirmation? Were you baptized as an infant or whatever? I, I don't mean, did you go to church camp or Bible camp or have a, a, a what I'm asking is, have you RSVP'd to the invitation? Are you going to be at the wedding supper of the Lamb? Will you be there when Christ returns, dressed in linen, white and clean? The, ha, see, the, the reality is that our sin are like dirty clothes, dirty, ragged clothes, and we can't go into the wedding celebration wearing that sin. So Christ came and through his blood washes us clean and gives us a new life to live, new clothes to wear, so that we can then join him at the wedding banquet and be part of his eternal kingdom forever and ever. But in order to be there, we have to accept those new garments. And that means we have to get rid of our old life and surrender to Christ so that we can receive his washing and his new life that is an eternal, everlasting life. Have you RSVP'd to the invitation? Will you be at the wedding supper of the Lamb? And if you have never done that before, you can simply do that this morning by acknowledging that you're a sinner, believing that all these things about Christ are true, not in some generic historical sense, but true of you, and then saying, yes, I give my life to Christ and RSVP. My life now belongs to Jesus and I will be at the wedding supper with him. If you do that, you make that decision, you will be there, you will have the Holy Spirit in you. Communion reminds us of the personal presence of God. That's creation. It reminds us that the infinite God became flesh. That's the incarnation. It reminds us of the sacrifice of Christ because we are sinners and needed to be saved. Communion reminds us of the victory of Christ over evil, the resurrection, and it reminds us of the eternal kingdom when he returns and establishes us forever with him. Those are the things communion reminds us of, and that's what we remember when we celebrate communion. We're going to take these elements this morning. I want to say a, a quick word about the juice that we drink. It is non-alcoholic. Some churches use real wine in communion, we don't because we don't want anyone who has ever struggled with alcohol addiction or abuse to be nervous about partaking communion with us. So we don't, we just bypass that altogether and we have grape juice, non-alcoholic grape juice. If you have RSVP'd and you say, yes, I want to be there, then you then we invite you to take communion. If you're not sure, you're not sure about Christ, you, you haven't made a decision, I would ask you to refrain from taking it. Because if, if you're eating this bread and drinking this cup and you haven't RSVP'd, it's nothing more than a snack. But if you do belong to Christ, then it is your confirmation that you have given your life to Christ and received his life in you. And it becomes a remembrance of our Savior. Let's stand together before we take these elements, we will uh, recite a very ancient statement of faith. Churches and Christians around the world have been saying these words for centuries. 
It's called the Apostles' Creed. The words are up on the screen. Read this with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy worldwide church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The bread is a symbol of the body of Christ for us. As we eat this, let us remember. The juice is a symbol of the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins. As we drink this, let us remember. We're going to finish this morning with one last song. What can I give to you? What can I offer to a king for all the love you've shown? For your name you heard my cry out of the grave and into life my heart is yours my soul is free thank you God for saving me thank you God for saving rock of salvation my hope is built on nothing less morning by morning oh how great is your faithfulness I called your name you heard my cry Oh,
Yes, Father, it feels so good this morning to say thank you for your love, Jesus, for your sacrifice, Holy Spirit, for your power. We thank you for a fresh perspective this morning. We thank you for your love that has covered everything. Holy Spirit, would you help us to leave here walking in the confidence of your love. Holy Spirit, in the confidence of your ability to lead us and guide us. We love being your kids. Thank you for being here. Amen. You all can go and enjoy God throughout the rest of your week. <laughs>